The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell. Hello and welcome back to The Running Podcast with me, Brian O'Connell. Hope you're all well. Hope you had a good week running. Countdown is on to this marathon that I've been training for with a group of a group of athletes from Toker AC. So we've less than four weeks to go. Pretty much two long runs coming up. 22 miles this weekend, 18 miles the weekend after, 10 miles the week after that, and then the marathon. So there you go. It's great to be at this point in a, in a training block where you can see the finish. You can see the, the week or two of taper and the long runs are nearly at an end. <laughs> I did a park run last weekend. I was down in Ennis for a couple of days and myself and my sister Aoife did a park run on Saturday morning in Lees Road. It's a really good park run through woods. I actually first when I got ba- I got back into running four years ago, 2019, and I did a park run with Aoife. So two of us set off in the park run on Saturday. She said I drove her mad because I kept saying we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Um from about half a mile in onwards. Fantastic to see so many volunteers out giving their time on a Saturday morning to ensure the park run went ahead. So that was on Saturday. Really enjoyed that. Had an easy enough run on Sunday. And this week now we're back into a fairly heavy week of running. And as I said, next week a fairly heavy week as well. And then we can we can kind of relax a little bit. Um, this week we're going to look at the whole area of sleep and we're going to look at how much sleep we should be getting if you are involved in any kind of physical activity or if you're training for something what helps promote good sleep we're going to talk to somebody who struggles with sleep uh, somebody i know from from the running club and then we're going to talk to an expert an academic who has done quite an interesting study looking at sleep performance and nutrition and how all of those combine and how they interact with each other so i just think it was worth taking a little bit of time out to focus on something where is it prioritized to the extent it should be probably not um obviously if we were elite level athletes doing this full time we would be sleeping a lot more we would be taking naps in the middle of the day but that's not practical so i really just wanted to spend a bit of time this week looking at what we can do to improve our sleep and why it is so important and so vital to help with performance and help with recovery particularly i think as you get a little bit older sleep becomes really vital as part of your training program i mean we can talk about the sessions and we can talk about um, strength and conditioning and we can talk about nutrition but i think there is a recognition now that sleep uh, needs to be up there in terms of your list of priorities so that's the plan for this week. We'll begin with Kiran Hurricane. He's an executive coach. He's a mentor. He runs a very successful training business. So Kiran is first up. He's going to talk about his sleep struggles. The RTE Running Podcast. I guess I have struggled with sleep most of my life. Before we get to the sleep, tell me about your running life. So running is a big part of my life, really, I suppose. It's something that I used to play basketball and there was a big commitment involved around that. 
and running was that kind of very convenient. You can do it from your front door, finish at your front door. And my son was born. It just became a very convenient way to exercise. And I mean, I, I remember I used to do it with headphones in and it used to be just kind of casual. But slowly but surely I started to meet people who were more involved in it and just completely got the bug, got the Garmin, just listened to other people talk about it. Multiple pairs of carbon shoes later. Oh, indeed. And what's your running goal this year? What do you hope to do? Well, I unfortunately was hoping to run the marathon in Rotterdam and I got injured. So I'm out of action. I'm just coming back really from having been out of action. And, you know, when you're running regularly and you're you're kind of in the zone, it's much easier to run, I find, than when you're out of it. Um, yeah. So my goal is really, I guess, just to get back and, and kind of, you know, reclaim some of the fitness that I've lost over the last few weeks. When I'm in the zone and I'm part of a group of people that are running, it just takes on this level of importance and this commitment. And it's just not difficult to get out. Now, when you're out of the zone, I was going to run today in the rain. It started raining. I got into my car, had my gear, and it started um, torrential rain. It just wasn't happening. I just pulled out my laptop and worked yeah. instead. And that's that's way more frequent when I'm out of it. If yeah. I was in it, I would I would have been out in the rain. It just wouldn't have yeah. been an issue. Yeah, it sort of creates its own momentum. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and it's it's odd because when you come back, and I've seen a few guys, I've seen some people in the club come back, and that first session back is awful because you're 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 very aware of the fact that you're not as fit as you used to be. <laughs> yeah, and you're you're also aware, and I've seen you do this recently. You're also aware of oh god, I have to endure so much to get back there. Yeah. You can't do it in a night. And I think that's actually probably the hardest because it's it's everybody loves from when they're fit. Yeah. Tell me about sleep then. When did you start having sleep issues? Actually, as a kid, I was a better sleeper. Um, but it's one of those things that um, I guess I've always struggled with. Um, it's it's an odd kind of a thing because if I put too much emphasis on it and focus on it too much, it, it tends to become a bigger problem. Oh no! Is this uh, going to mean you're not going to have a good night's sleep tonight? Yeah, I hope I hope not. Um, it could it could well it could well. Um, I, I guess there's there's a number of different factors. Kind of a lot went on when I was younger mm-hmm. that would have interfered with my sleep and stuff like that. And there, there's kind of you know there's anxiety kind of elements around it, and it has that thing of uh, when there's something big coming up, it'll obviously affect it. But if there's something big tomorrow, the likelihood of not sleeping increases significantly. And I mean. I have had some big contracts. Like I remember my first ever day, I was working with Twitter in Dublin. I was really excited about it. And I got the train up on two hours sleep. Now, you get through the day, you manage. Sometimes the stress of it in the nighttime is actually worse than the consequences of the stress, ironically enough. like The, the worst part of it is it's four o'clock and I'm still awake. And oh my God, what am I going to do? And I do really empathize with people who find themselves in that situation because it's awful, you know, and it, it, it just takes on this extra kind of, I don't know, um, kind of tone when it's dark, you know, and you're tired and you had intended to be asleep. You're maybe in bed since 10 o'clock and here you are six hours later. But what I have gotten very good at is accepting that a bit more. You know, I kind of, I'm not surprised now when that happens. 
and that kind of takes the edge off for me a little bit. You know, I, I've kind of routines I'll do. I'll distract myself. I'll get up. I'll eat something. I'll listen to something. I won't force myself to sleep, which I think is the worst thing that you can possibly do. You were saying to me before we hit record, you've gone down a few rabbit holes. Yeah, so I guess there's there's a glut of information out there at the minute. Um, I'm slow enough to read some of the books. I read Ariana Huffington's book, The Sleep Revolution, and it, it was very interesting. And she had her own breakdown due to a lack of sleep. But I just do find that the, it, it's it's not often that's presented without a lot of kind of fear mongering, a lot of very unhelpful information about how you're damaging your health, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't support me at all. So I have, you know, I've worked with counselors and stuff like that. I worked with a nutritionist, recent, a nutritionist recently enough. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible what I got back on that. We did a lot of kind of, um, we did some tests and, I produce a little bit too much cortisol. I produce it kind of, I get a second wind of cortisol in the night. So she kind of recommended different things I can take to manage that. Mm-hmm. And it has improved to some degree. But I mean, again, there will always be something that will interrupt it. Like, again, my ability to not sleep when I really need to has always, you know, will always probably win out over any different remedy i'm trying you know okay so what does a good night's sleep look like to you a good night's sleep i suppose i i've seen a lot of people with insomnia and i don't consider myself an insomniac because i do have the capacity to sleep mm-hmm. if it's the weekend if there's no stress if everything has been done it's all been put away um and i'm in a relaxed space i can fall asleep before 12 o'clock 11 o'clock i, I wake up refreshed the next day and it's when you haven't had it the joy of having slept is just it's euphoric almost you know it's just amazing how does sleep and running interact with each other so i i think i've underachieved as a runner um fairly consistently i find when i put in a big block of running coming up to a race i'll start to maybe think about it a bit more than i should i start to get nervous i've had the lo and behold that the i did the cork marathon a few years ago and i didn't have a great night's sleep before that Mm-hmm. Now, again, the stress of it can kind of fuel it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's the question then of I haven't slept great last night. Do I run today or not? More often than not, I do run. And I find that helps to knock a bit of the stress out. But sometimes it has it's counterproductive because I become overtired and I'm not able to sleep then again. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, do you think the more active you are, the more physically active you are? Does that is there any relationship between that and your sleep? I don't really know, Brian. It's it's hard to kind of say because I have overdone it with exercise and not been able to sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, if I do it consistently, and that was something that was quite eye-opening to me when I first joined a running club. When I was running consistently, like doing, you know, the short runs, mm-hmm. you know, during the week as well as the long runs, there was definitely more of a leveling out. It was easier. Mm-hmm. But there is, for me anyway, like a track session, I can find I'm very elated after that. And it's a kind of a hard training where the body hasn't relaxed. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I can come home from the track, track on a Tuesday night, just fully switched on, you know, and ready to watch TV half the night or to even, you know, read something. I find it very hard to come down Yeah, after a session like that. Yeah. And it's quite late. I mean, we're on the track at 
eight o'clock. So it's probably it's pushing everything back a couple of hours for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you're busy, sometimes you might get a chance to eat. Um, yeah. And that can be a disaster then as well. Coming home, you're you're starving. You might eat too much or you might eat something sugary, mm-hmm. fatty. There's a vicious circle there because when you're tired and fatigued, you start to crave things that are bad for you. In terms of running then, and it's interesting here, and you talk about getting nervous before races, given that in your day job, you are essentially coaching people at a very high level in terms of mm. their executive life. I suppose it's interesting because I, I feel very equipped to talk about sleep and to talk to people about nutrition. And I guess for me, it is just that I suppose it's all that piece. Like if you talk to any counselor, you talk to any coach, the hardest person any of us have to deal with is ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. because we don't have that sense of objectivity. Right. It's it's a it's a lot easier for me to kind of step outside of someone else's situation. And I guess in coaching, you're not offering advice. You know, you're trusting that they have the answers mm-hmm. and allowing them to come to their own conclusions. Whereby with me, there there is just something again, it's like it's like that kind of um self-consciousness around sleep, you know, and that kind of awareness. Oh no, I haven't slept. Yeah. Oh no, I'm still awake. Oh no, what's gonna happen? And it's almost like there's a a chain reaction coming up to a race where there's an anticipatory piece. You know, now mindfulness can work for well. What I actually find is that if I'm busy and I don't have time to consider the race, that's absolutely the best for me. If If my mind is distracted and I just don't have time to kind of maybe get into it or start thinking about it. Um, and you just wake up and it's almost race day. That's that's the best one for me. Given how much of a toll it takes on the body, Kieran, and you know, I know you're disappointed not to be running Rotterdam in a couple of weeks. Why do you run? That's a really good question. Um, I love it. I and I guess whatever kind of sense, it, it, life is worse when I don't run mm-hmm. than when I do run. And I mean, for me, there's a kind of a miracle of physiology when I just go out and run a few miles. The world looks different. Mm-hmm. My problems look different. I can come back rejuvenated, energized, even if I'm quite down and tired. A short run can kind of it, it just can kind of realign the stress or the tension in a different way. Um, That's always positive. Yeah, unless the running or the kind of running targets in themselves become the stress and i'm as much talking about myself now as i am you a hundred percent a hundred percent i mean i do i've seen a lot of people a lot of high performers let's say where there's something else going on really than the achievement of a target the acquisition of money there is a compulsivity going on right I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I'm not so sure you don't, Brian. I, I, and again, look, we've all got our own stuff going on, but so Rotterdam is out for you. What are you, a Cork Marathon, maybe June Bank Holiday weekend? Yeah, I might do a half. Yeah, and I might do. I, I, I'm trying to learn how to do casual, enjoyable, fun yeah. races yeah. where my life doesn't depend on <laughs> the outcome. Yeah. Because, I mean, it is the thing with committing to a marathon. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, don't you? Absolutely. And 
I even see it at track. I've seen guys who I would consider like streets ahead of me, elite runners, getting really frustrated with themselves because yeah. they're off the pace. I just saw that last week. Somebody who I've looked up to and who I think is an extraordinary runner, really frustrated because he was burnt out on the night. And I guess if you don't put pressure on yourself, then though, do you get to that level? Thanks so much, Kiran. Appreciate your time. Not at all. Thanks, Brian. The RTE Running Podcast. And that was Kiran Harrigan. And I really appreciated how candid and how open he was uh, talking about his fears, his anxieties, his stresses, especially when it comes up the race day. I think it's something everybody can relate it to. We actually recorded that conversation at about 9.30 at night. And I was almost flippantly making the joke at the start that I hope talking a lot about sleep wasn't going to lead to a pretty sleepless night for him. And he texted me this morning to say I got three hours sleep, unfortunately. So sorry about that, Kiran. So that's somebody who on an individual basis struggles. I thought it would be worth then for the second part of our podcast speaking with an expert and that expert is Dr. Ronan Doherty. He's a lecturer in Donegal. He works at Sport Ireland Institute. He's a member of their performance and nutrition team and he works very much with with Irish sailing and he has concluded a really interesting piece of research recently on sleep performance and nutrition and we began by talking a little bit about that. Sleep's vital to performance, particularly around recovery. So my work focuses on the interaction between uh, sleep and nutrition for athlete recovery, focused on potential nutritional interventions that can improve sleep or promote sleep in athletes to try and improve their recovery. There probably isn't, but is there a, a, a golden amount of sleep that we need per week? Probably wouldn't say per week, but we, we know that there are kind of reference ranges for sleep so for adults so people aged 18 to 64 65 we know that somewhere in and around seven to nine hours per night is optimal um six to seven might be fine for some people and, and nine to eleven might be what's required for other people so particularly athletes require more sleep or anyone who's highly active because of the training load and the extra stress that they're placed on their body they need more sleep for more recovery and this is actual sleep now, Rona. It's not time in the bed reading. Not, not time in bed. On the actual sleep. Yep. So there's a big difference with time in bed, as you said. It's like could be dead time now. Scrolling on the iPhone in bed is not a good idea because of the blue light from your phone. It has a negative effect on your on your sleep, so it can take longer to get to sleep if you expose yourself to that blue light. But no, it's actual sleep. I suppose sleep's defined really as a complex behavioral state where you're disengaged from your environment and unresponsive so it's it's on a continuum from wake to deep sleep but yeah the sleep we're talking about not not just being in bed so so what's or lying on the sofa <laughs> watching netflix what's happening to us when we're asleep then in terms of recovery what, what's happening to our body so we're recovering so there's mental and physical recovery that's going on so i always use the analogy of like charging your phone so sleep is like plugging yourself in and recharging your, your batteries and you get mental and physical recovery. Um, so there's kind of two basic states of sleep. So NREM and REM sleep. So non-rapid eye movement sleep and rapid eye movement sleep. And they're both kind of associated with different types of recovery. So essentially <clears throat> that REM sleep is associated with dreaming and cognitive recovery and uh, NREM sleeps associated with a growth hormone release. So that deep sleep facilitates physical recovery. 
does it follow the more active you are, the more you, the better sleep you'll get? No, we all have a circadian rhythm, obviously, and it's very individual in terms of our response to training. But we do know that people who are active tend to sleep better. Um, Why is that? To a, to a point. Uh, well, part of it is that they're more tired, so they're, they're more active. They're ch challenging themselves more, so they need more sleep. But we also know that if someone's overtrained, so training too much and not recovering properly, then that can have a negative impact on sleep. If you have a race coming up, what I've often been told, it's not so much the night before the race, but it's the night before that. Is that all kind of nonsense? Well, I wouldn't say the night before that, but I would say that... One thing I would try and stress to anyone is don't get worried or too worried if you feel like you haven't slept well the night before competition. So it's important, say, in that week before to, to think about sleep. Uh, and if you can, try and buy sleep or at least make your sleep opportunities long enough that you're going to get the sleep you need. So we've talked already about how seven to nine hours is a minimum. If you're in bed for six hours, seven hours, then obviously you're not giving yourself the opportunity to get the sleep that you need. So it's important <clears throat> that... In a run up to competition, you're you're kind of planning and making sure that you have these opportunities for the sleep that you need. But it the research would show that not everyone, but some people would be very anxious the night before events, or maybe they're running through a race in their head, or they're just tense and, and worrying about how it's going to go. So that can have a negative effect on sleep and that you might wake more or it might take longer to get to sleep, or you might wake early and you can't get back to sleep. So that's you know, one bad night's sleep isn't going to really derail someone, but it is important in the run-up to the event that they're focusing on getting good sleep. So as you said, try and bank the sleep uh, yeah. as that week progresses and don't worry about the night before too much because often you'll be away, you might be in a new hotel room. I, I find it very hard to sleep the first night in a hotel room, for example, um, yeah, so probably because I'm watching TV all night. Well, that, that that can happen, and you know, hotel rooms sometimes can be too hot or too cold, or people are uncomfortable, or the beds different, the mattresses hard. But there is a lot around kind of routine and sleep hygiene stuff that people can do, if possible. People can bring their own pillow with them, that can make them more comfortable. The temperature of the room is quite important, so it needs to be in around eighteen to twenty-one degrees to promote sleep. You don't want to be too hot, but equally, you don't want to be too cold. Um, hands and feet need to be warm to kind of promote sleep. And one thing that does help with that anxiety is, you know, journaling or doing a to-do list or even just mentally noting three things that you want to do the following day. So if it is a race, then maybe thinking about if this happens, this is what I'll do or, you know, even visualizing yourself running the race. That can help with that anxiety piece. That's really interesting. Are are the top athletes you're working with are, and sports people, are they having naps? Yeah. So the majority would be, so you can top up your sleep with naps, um, but obviously it's important that it's at the right time of the day. So if you nap later in the day, then it can have a negative effect on the following night's sleep. So if you nap too late, it might take longer to get to sleep that night, for example. So we usually, where possible, we try and schedule those naps um, in the kind of mid-afternoon, so in and around... Um, say 2, 3 p.m. So we usually would say about 12 hours from the middle of that of the previous night's sleep. So, for example, if you went to bed at 11 and got up at 7, then 3 p.m. would be the perfect time for that nap. And we usually recommend either 30 minutes or 90 minutes. 90 minutes can't be practical for everyone. So a 30-minute nap 
uh, is perfect around 3 p.m. And uh, a cup of coffee beforehand to avoid that sleep inertia after is a good idea. So you might find that if you do sleep for, for 30 minutes in the afternoon, you're quite groggy when you wake up. So a cup of coffee beforehand can help with that. So usually advised to set the alarm for 40 minutes from when you're starting your nap. So it gives you 10 minutes to kind of get, get into that relaxed state. And then you've got your 30 minutes nap. And really the sleep is important, but even if you're, you're just having, having deep rest, so just relax and disengage from your environment, eyes closed and resting, that's, that's fine as well. That's really interesting. Uh, it mightn't be practical for everyone, as you said, but, no. but, but the studies I suppose are clear that this will aid performance. Yeah, napping will help. So in that getting that that adequate rest and the amount of sleep or rest that you need will have an impact, a positive impact on performance and recovery. Tell me about the links between sleep and nutrition then. So there's a lot of links between uh, sleep and nutrition in terms of sleep promotion. So, for example, we know that um, high-GI carbohydrate in the evening meal will promote sleep. So... Uh, jasmine rice for example we also know that tryptophan rich protein promotes sleep so things like turkey pumpkin seeds milk so a cup of hot chocolate an hour before bed is, is high in tryptophan so that, that can promote sleep tart cherry juice which some of your listeners might use for for recovery it's quite common commonly used so that is also high in, in melatonin so that <coughs> promotes sleep or promotes the synthesis of melatonin, which will promote sleep. And then kiwi fruit as well. So so I've actually I'm about to publish a study on, on kiwi consumption. So two kiwis an hour before bed promotes sleep and has a, a positive impact uh, on recovery as well. Any of those uh, in terms of those those food types as well that 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 are helpful with performance. I suppose all of them are if they're promoting yeah, sleep. All yeah. of them really. So uh, you know. Most like that evening meal, if it's a combination of high GI carbohydrate or relatively high GI carbohydrate and tryptophan rich protein, that's the type of meal we'd be advising people to have anyway. So combinations of those types of foods, so things like milk, turkey, chicken, fish, eggs, um, pumpkin seeds, beans, peanuts, green leafy veg, and then things like jasmine rice, pasta, potatoes, those types of combinations in your evening meal will help. And the carb loading, I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions around carb loading, aren't there? Um, you can overdo it, I suppose. I suppose you've hit the nail on the head. The common issue or problem would be that people just use it as a green light to just eat whatever they want. Maximizing your fuel stores is obviously perfect for performance. You need to be careful about the types of foods that you're eating. You know, healthy choices are, are best, obviously. Yeah, I noticed with this for me, this marathon training block, I haven't lost as much weight, which is good for me. Okay. Uh, with the last block, I lost too much weight. I was I went down to I think nine and a half stone. I'm usually about ten and a half, eleven. Okay. Um, so with this block, I'm only down maybe half a stone, maybe three quarters of a stone, which for me is quite good. And that is really just adding in an extra meal at eleven o'clock. Yeah, how do, how do you feel when you, you've done that? So obviously not skipping. You, your energy levels and recovery are obviously probably a lot higher. You feel a lot better. I feel a lot better all around, yeah. You haven't got sick or anything in this block? or. I mean, the sickness thing, because I suppose with something like running, you're out a lot. You're changing yeah. from wet into cold. I mean, and we try and change clothes as quickly as we can. But I do notice, and maybe your immune system is a bit lower. I'm not sure. Well, I suppose if you're under fueling and then as well sleep is obviously key in terms of immunity so if you're not getting enough sleep and you're not under fueling then obviously the chances of you 
picking up something are increased and the, the length of that illness can be increased as well. You know, how, lo how long it's kind of working on you or how long it takes you to recover. So if you're getting that sleep piece right and feeling well or better than you have been, then, you know, that's, that's a big plus, obviously, in terms of immunity. Like most people now are aware how important sleep is. Uh, they may not under, understand that interaction that we're talking about in terms of sleep and nutrition, but really making time for sleep, giving yourself an opportunity to get the sleep that you need is really, really important and making your bedroom sleep friendly and having a sleep routine. So when I'm talking about a sleep friendly bedroom, it's things like not snoozing your alarm, not using your phone in the room, not having blue light. There's so no phone, TV, screens, Avoiding caffeine after lunch unless you're using it um, in terms of your training or for competition. After lunch, and, that's interesting because I because yeah. I would sort of have a rule where I won't drink um, caffeinated tea after six, but after lunch, you're saying? Well, again, the response to caffeine is quite individual, but as a rule, we would be saying after lunch, unless you find that you're not very, very responsive or it doesn't you know affect the amount of time it takes you to get to sleep. So... What or how caffeine promotes alertness is it antagonizes the adenosine receptors in the brain. So adenosine builds up and makes us feel tired or sleepy. But obviously caffeine counteracts that. So the response is very individual. But, you know, as a general rule, after lunch will be fine. Unless, like I said, you're using it as part of your kind of training routine or in competition. You run? Uh, when I get time. <laughs> I don't have much time at the minute, um. But I, when I do, I enjoy running, but not not marathon distance. Yeah, Five ten k is enough for me. Yeah, you're sensible, so you've got a kind of a balanced approach to it. Not like me. Listen, thanks so much for that. That's really interesting, and it just it's not automatic that good sleep will follow if you are very active or training six days a week. You you have to be conscious about it. You have to prioritize it. You have to have a, a routine. And then kind of on that, things that can kind of help people relax or say a hot bath or shower, one to two hours before bed. Some people like to read in bed. Quite popular for people to use music or podcasts or guided meditation. Um, but what I would say is just play around with your routine and, and find what works for you. Um, that piece around kind of stress and limiting stress, particularly before competition, is very helpful. So writing a to-do list or even just visualizing what you're going to do the next day is quite useful. As a cutoff, I would say in terms of screen time, try and avoid them two hours before bed. Again, that won't be practical for everyone. You know, I realize sometimes the only downtime people get, particularly if you have a young family, is kind of in the evening. So, you know, again, play around with that. But it is important that your your bed is conducive to sleep. So a dark, quiet environment that's in and around 18 to 21 degrees um, with a good comfy mattress is ideal. Turn off the flat screen TV in the room. Exactly. It shouldn't be in the room in the first place. Ron, thanks so much. Really appreciate that. Thanks, Brian. The RTE Running Podcast. So that was Dr. Ron on Doherty. A really interesting study. As I said, looking at the links between sleep and performance, really appreciate him taking the time out. Hopefully people would have got some good tips and some good advice from that. I'll certainly think I'll be putting the pillow in my suitcase on the way to Rotterdam in three and a half weeks time. So that's about it for this week. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank you for getting in touch with your queries, questions, uh, suggestions for items over the next few weeks. Appreciate them all. 
Um, you can get me at brian.o'connell at rte.ie. I'm also on Instagram and I'm on Twitter at O'Connell Brian. Mind yourself if you're going running on the roads next week and I'll chat you all next week. All the best. Bye bye. The RTE Running Podcast with Brian O'Connell.